Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Well, it's so nice to have you here. Thank you so much for being here. What a, a difficult day to get through. You guys are the brave, the strong, the mighty. Will not be uh, let a little bit of inclement weather uh, set you aside. So really, we, we do appreciate you coming. And uh, we, we trust that we have a great time as we, as we get together. For those who are watching online, thank you for, for joining us. Uh, if you're in the area, we'd love to have you uh, join us uh, on another Sunday. If you weren't able to be here today, then uh, you're certainly welcome anytime you can. For those of you who are watching uh, another parts of our country or our world, then if it's warm, then come and get us, please. We, we would really, really appreciate if you would do that for us. Um, we are going to talk this morning about a specific idea, and I trust that you're going to be able to come with me on, on our, our little journey together talking about spiritual maturity. Now, when I say that, I'm always afraid that people think, oh, it's going to be mystical and mysterious, and I'm not going to understand what all this thing is talking about. Well, this whole concept is not meant to be mysterious. It's not meant to be mystical. It's not meant to be uh, difficult. In fact, it's supposed to be really quite straightforward. And so I hope that we're going to, to get to that stage um, this morning. <clears throat> when, when we talk about what we're all about here at the church, we talk about the fact that we're, we're here because we want to connect people to Jesus and to one another, right? We really want to connect people to Jesus. We want people to know who Jesus is. What is that connection? I know most of you know what that means. When we talk about being connected to Jesus, we're not just saying you're familiar with the name, right? We're, when we say connected to Jesus, we mean you come to the point where you understand he is the son of God. He's the one who came at that song that we just sang, We Believe. He came and he died and he was buried and he resurrected and he has the ability to forgive us for our sins, the sins that separate us from God. You know, God never intended us to be separated from him. And yet he saw that we weren't able to make that jump, that leap to connect again because of our sin. And so he sent his son and his son willingly died and took the penalty for, for my sin and for your sin. And simply through an act of faith, through believing in Jesus Christ, we can have our sins forgiven and have our connection back with God the way he intended us in the first place. That's what we talk about when we're talking about being connected to God. And I think that churches like ours traditionally are, are good at that initial connection. We call, we call it salvation. We talk about salvation. And yet it's the next step that sometimes is difficult. It's what, what do we do next? What if maybe you've come and you, and you know Jesus and you maybe even believe in him and you accept his forgiveness for your salvation and then you think, well, now what? What's next? Well, we're going to look at this idea of spiritual maturity. And there's one thing I want to look on at specifically. It's in it's doing your part. So if you see on the screen behind me, there's a, anybody recognize those drawings that are there? Anybody have an idea what they think it might be? Yeah, a few of you already. How many of you have, let me see if I show of hands, how many of you have been to Ikea before? How many have purchased something at Ikea? How many people have put together something from Ikea? That's what, uh, this is the Billy bookcase. Now, how many people actually have a, put together a Billy bookcase? Right? That's one of, the, one of their biggest sellers, um, putting together. How many people have put together uh, something from Ikea with a loved one? Okay, you know what I'm talking about, right? Are you guys still together? Anybody? None? None of them? Okay. You know what that's like, right? The idea of uh, doing that. So imagine um, 
the idea of going into Ikea and purchasing something. You feel like you've got a good deal and it's something that you want to have. But in a sense, you're, you're entering into a bit of an agreement. It's an unspoken, but there is a bit of an agreement where you're buying something that you saw in, in display model. And you think, I like that. And you say, I want that. And you go down and you get that and it's a box about this big. It weighs 400 pounds, <laughs> right? And you get it to your house and you prop it up against the wall where you want it to stand and you hope that the magic Ikea elves will come and assemble it for you, right? That doesn't happen, right? So in a sense, the agreement is you can buy it from us in this condition and we will give you instructions and it will eventually end up to be what you're wanting. I was thinking in that drawing, you see those drawings of the people that are, that are supposed to be doing the work? I think, I wonder if that's what the, the people, the designers at Ikea, is that how they see us? Just like little blobs of things who don't really have much understanding and they need really simple diagrams. To, I, don't, I don't know if that's what they mean, but that's how I take it, take it a little personally. Uh, th this idea is, it, so there's a part where Ikea has done their part, right? They showed you what you can have and they say, we'll give you the instructions how to put it together. And then if we enter in this, uh, this agreement, then we say, we'll take it from here and we'll do our part and it will end up looking like what it's supposed to look like, plus a lot of extra parts left over. <laughs> um, this idea of spiritual maturity is a little bit like that as well, in the sense of there are multiple parts to it. Uh, there's a personal responsibility and there's a part that God has to play. And so let's look at that for, for a minute. But I, I think this idea that Jesus wants people who have been connected to him and connected with him to be on a path. And that pathway is the pathway of spiritual maturity. And I'm careful to say it's the pathway of spiritual maturity, not the pathway to spiritual maturity. Uh, it's almost as though in, in my head I'm thinking it's a continual process. It's not a final destination. It's a, it's a continual process. So if we think of it that way, um, I think there's some people that feel stuck. They feel like, okay, I have been connected to Jesus. I understand that I'm saved and I understand that he's died for me and I believe all of that. But then what? What do I do? And things don't really change in my life sometimes and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing and how I'm supposed to be accomplishing anything. And I look and I evaluate myself and I feel like I'm just where I was some time ago. Uh, we, talk, we sort of maybe connect this idea of spiritual maturity with physical maturity and it's not really a, a healthy connection because with physical maturity, all we have to do is, when we're a child, all we have to do is stay alive and we will physically mature, right? That's all we have to do. Just keep breathing and eating and sleeping and we will physically mature. It just, it just happens, right? And sometimes we might think of our spiritual maturity that way, as though it's sometimes we can just be passive and it just occurs over some sort of predetermined amount of time that we will just automatically become spiritually mature. It's not that kind of thing. It's not like that physical maturity. It's more like the other kind of maturity when we talk about um, the expectations that we have. As children grow, we have uh, accompanying expectations that they will mature, not just physically, but in how they live their lives. The decisions that they make, the things that they do, we expect that there will be that kind of maturity in the other areas of their life. I'll give you an example in my life. Uh, I remember when we were kids, my older brother and I, we, bought, we went from uh, the little bikes, the little kids' bikes, we made the, the big jump to the big bike. 
It was a little early for us, but that, I think mom and dad must have got a good deal on it. And they said, you'll grow into it. So I remember being really, I could hardly reach the pedals and all that kind of stuff. And I was just so, I remember being very impressed with the size of those wheels. And one of us said, I think those wheels are big enough to go over a person. Right, and, then, and, with, and then there's two boys, or, or in my family, three boys, but at that point, there's those two boys with that big bike, and someone makes a bit of an observation. Well, you have to employ the, the scientific method at that point, right? You need to make a, an experiment, and you need to find out whether that, assert, that, that assertion that you have, that, that idea is actually true. I'll fast forward through the whole story, but the idea is that there was a lesson to be learned in that. And the lesson that I learned at that point is just because you should, just because you could doesn't mean you should. That's a good lesson to, to learn, and that can apply to a lot of things in life, not just a big bicycle. Just because you could doesn't mean you should in a lot of areas. In, oh, there's a, there's a little bit of maturity that's going. Fast forward a lot of years, and uh, I'm single, and I'm living on my own, and I have a, a, a place of my own. And I, I remember thinking one time, it'd be nice if when I come home, uh, just to kind of settle down and relax in the evening, maybe to have something sweet to eat and being careful with my money, I thought I found out that it was um, more economical to buy in bulk. So instead of having a chocolate bar at home, instead of buying a chocolate bar, I thought I'm going to buy a case of chocolate bars because I'm smart, right? And here's this maturity process, right? And so kind of fast forward a little bit. I remember that first night and uh, I ate three chocolate bars and which if you do the math in that specific chocolate bars I ate nine musketeers that night <laughs> uh, if you do the math but um, the idea was uh, I realized that there was a little bit of maturity that maturing that needed to happen and the lesson that I learned in that situation is that for me self-control needs to be exercised at the point of purchase <laughs> right it makes sense, right? It makes sense in my life. That's what I learned. And I realized that's still the case in my life. I need to, and when it comes to that kind of food, I need to exercise self-control at the point of purchase. Because if it comes home, there's going to be nine musketeers missing by the end of the evening. <laughs> so that's the idea of maturing. You learn lessons and you grow, right? It's the idea. Maturing means learning and advancing. Mature, maturing means coming to full development. And that's really more the picture of what spiritual maturity is. Coming to the point, being on the pathway to full development in our Christian lives. Full development, not just stopping and staying and being satisfied with the beginning. The beginning is amazing when we realize God loves us. That's incredible. God sent his son to die for, for me. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. Unbelievable. And you accept, all I have to do to have forgiveness for all the things that I've done is just accept his forgiveness. And, and just mind-boggling to think of that. And once we make that step, God says, I have expectations that you will even go beyond that. So much more than that. And that's what spiritual maturity is supposed to look like. When you think of John chapter 10 and verse 10 and Jesus saying, I've come that they might have life and then they might have it overflowing or that they might have it more abundantly. And you sort of think of my life, am I living the abundant life that Jesus has for me? Maybe that's a sign of spiritual maturity. Am I living the life that God has for me? Do I want to? How do I get there? What is spiritual maturity? What does it look like? How do we reach that full development? First, we need to understand what spiritual maturity is not. 
in a couple different spots this morning. We're going to look at a little bit of what maturity, spiritual maturity is not. It's important because I think many of us confuse the wrong things with spiritual maturity. Like, let's say, biblical literacy. Is it good to know your Bible? Yes, it is. But can you, conf- do you is spiritual ma- maturity equal to biblical knowledge, biblical understanding? No, it's not. You can know a Bible but not know Jesus. You can know your Bible better now than you did 10 years ago but not have matured at all. It's good to have Bible knowledge, but that's not all of what Christian maturity is. Theological knowledge or theological understanding, that's, that's different from practical holiness. We have understanding, but we might not have that change in our lives. Even successful leadership is not the same as a heart for Christ. Growth and influence is not to be confused with a growth in grace. So let's understand a little bit about what maturity is. First, I said there were two parts. Number one is God's part. In Philippians chapter 1, it talks about God's part. It says, he who began this good work in you, he says he will be faithful to carry it on through to conclusion, to take it to the end. He says God's, that's God's part. He said he's going to be faithful. We've, he started this good work in us where we have connection with Jesus, where we believe in Jesus. But he says God's not going to be stopping there. He's going to carry you through right to the end. And it seems like, oh, that's great. I can just sort of sit around and God's going to make me spiritually mature. But there are many verses in our Bible that talk about our responsibility, about our part as well. And so if you look at one in 2 Peter chapter 3.18, it says, but grow. Like it's your responsibility. This is a command. Uh, this is what we are supposed to do. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's up to us to do. And it seems as though there are ways that we can measure this along the road. There is tangible evidence to spiritual maturity. In John chapter 13, Jesus is saying, John is recording what Jesus says. And Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. People will know that you're a follower of mine. There should be some evidence of that. That's the idea that there is supposed to be spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. I guess we have to ask ourselves our own opinion. In, in your opinion, what do you think it takes to be spiritually mature? What is spiritually mature? Well, I'll tell you what it's not. It's not simply being an older member of the church. I remember when I was a child uh, thinking certain people in our church that I grew up were the spiritual ones. They were the mature ones. And somehow I decided it was the grumpy ones that were the mature ones, right? They had a scowl on their face, and they told me to stop running, and uh, I just sort of thought they must, that's what in my head I equated spiritual maturity with that kind of outlook on life. You know, I'm not allowed to have any fun anymore because I'm mature, and all of those things. And I thought that's what spiritual maturity is. And I've come to realize it's not even close to that. But we have this confusion sometimes of what we think spiritual maturity is. So, so first, it's not simply being an older member of the church. It's not simply carrying a title or more responsibility than other people. It's not, certain, it's not just having the ability to quote the Bible. It's not just holding a position of leadership in the church. It's not being in the church for a long period of time or having family members that are part of leadership. Those things do not guarantee spiritual maturity. 
Paul writes to the, to the group um, that are meeting in the city of Ephesus. So if you want to have your Bible and look in the Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look in a few verses there, starting in verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians is one of the letters that Paul wrote while he was in that two-year house arrest, kind of in prison, and in, for two years in Rome. And while he was there, he wrote to a few different churches. Um, the one in Ephesus, uh, the one in Philippi, the one in Colossae. Uh, we call these the prison epistles or the prison letters. And in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes about kind of the structure of the church and how the church has been uh, intended to, to, be, to be growing. And he says in verse 11, So Christ himself gave, and he gives a list of things that Christ gave. He gave uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, pastors, and teachers. He says God himself or Christ himself gave the church these things. And then in verse 12, for a specific reason. So why are these gifts given to the church? Why are, why are these certain things given to the church? It says to equip. It says to equip his people for works of service. So it seems as though all of us are supposed to seek equipping. We are supposed to get more and more equipped for a reason, not just so that we have the potential, but so that we actually do something. And we're going to see that this is connected at the very end of this passage as well. But it says that he's supposed to, he's equipping us for works of service. But there's a reason for that as well. He says, so that something can be accomplished. He's not just, he's equipping us so that we can be able to have, to do these works of service. But it's for a reason. It says, so that the body of Christ might be built up. The gifts that God has given you, if you are a believer, God has given you a gift. God has given you abilities. And they're supposed to be for works of service in the church for a reason, so that the church might be built up. That means each one of us, all of us, have a role and responsibility to play in building up the church. You have responsibility in making the church all that it's supposed to be because God has given you a unique ability to do something in the church. That's an amazing thing that we all have these kinds of things. And he says, so that's the reason, so that the body of Christ might be built up. But then there's something measurable as well that he talks about that's next. In verse um, 13 it says, until, until this point. We're going to reach a point. We're heading in a direction so that we can reach a point. He says, until we all reach unity. He says, unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And Pastor Dave talked about unity last week, so we don't need to take a whole lot of time. But that idea of unity, it's more, it's not just uniformity. I think we sometimes mistake uniformity for unity. That we all are supposed to look the same and act the same and, and speak the same and have the same opinions about different things. This was one of the thing, reasons when I went to Bible college, my plan was to go to Bible college for one year and then go to university and, and go on to a, a career. But... And when I went to Bible college, I noticed that seemingly everybody looked the same and thought the same and talked the same and had the same opinions and all of those things. And it seemed like it was more uniformity than, than anything else. And then I realized that was just my first initial understanding. It, was much, it wasn't like that, but that's what it seemed like at first. So let's not confuse uniformity with unity. It means we can still be unified and have a difference of opinion on everything from um, the unimportant things like politics to the super important things like sports. We can, have different, <laughs> we can have different opinions, right? But that doesn't mean we, if we don't share the same opinion, it doesn't mean we're enemies. 
It doesn't mean we write the other person off and say that person doesn't know anything, doesn't know what they're talking about, whatever it might be. We can still be unified without being uniform. And so he says that we are supposed to all, we use the gifts that God has given to us so that we can build up this, this body of Christ, the church, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And then the next thing, so it's unity, and then the next thing is, is and become mature. Part of this maturing process seems to be understanding the gifts that we have and using them as works of service to build up the body of Christ and somehow doing those things, working together and for each other, encouraging each other, building up the body of Christ together, works toward our unity and our own individual maturity. Somehow the doing helps our being. And he says, it says, supposed to come mature, become mature. And he says what maturity is, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. If you think of that phrase, it's hard to know what that really means. He says, so we might become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. And I don't, I don't want you to be, have your eyes roll back in the back of your head and think, I don't understand that phrase, and so I don't understand spiritual maturity. But it's that idea of full development. God wants for us, and in some ways expects from us, that pathway to full development. So we're on this pathway to spiritual maturity. Paul writes about it in a number of different of his letters. In Ephesians, he says that you might be filled, filled to the measure of all fullness. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, stop thinking like little children. And then he says something, like, but like adults. So he says he wants us to get to the point where we're, we're not thinking the same way we thought when we were first saved, when we first understood this connection that we have with Jesus through his forgiveness and through our repentance, that he doesn't want us just to stay there. And I love that phrase that he says as he's writing to that group in, in the city of Corinth. He says, so that you will no longer be children or be infants. What is he actually saying? He says, right now, you're kind of infants. You kind of, you need to grow. He says, no, but I don't want you to think like children anymore. I want you to think like adults. And he says, you know, it's time to grow. We need to keep growing. And we need to do it together. Colossians chapter 1, he says, fully mature in Christ. Colossians chapter 4, that you might stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. He wants us to be strong in our faith. He wants us to be connected with God, to know God better to understand who he is more, to encourage one another, to see that he has given us the abilities to do something so that the body of Christ can be built up. If I use any, any abilities that I might have for another reason other than building up the body of Christ, my motivation is wrong. Because that's the reason why he gave us those gifts, to build up the body of Christ. And in doing that, we become mature. Then he says in verse 14, you will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. He says that at that point, once you start to mature, you're not going to be, you're going to be more grounded. You're going to understand more about what you believe. Your faith will be stronger. So that when those, he talks about these waves, when the waves of controversy might come in your life or the waves of difficulty that might have when you were younger in your faith blown you around. If you've ever been in a wave that's much bigger than you, then you know what this picture is like. 
There was one time I was 12 years old and I was at a beach and I was able to play in, this, in the waves of the beach of uh, a Western African country for a whole, uh, mostly whole two weeks. But this one particular day I was in there the whole day. And I remember thinking, I'm going to learn how to body surf because the waves were huge. Only the waves weren't perfect for body surfing. I didn't know that at the time. Um, in fact, they were big waves. I was 12, so I wasn't certainly as tall as I am now. But um, I remember thinking these waves are different than the waves I'm ex I've experienced before because the water would be about ankle height and I could touch the wave that was over my head just before it hit me. It was a mass, these were massive waves that I was playing in. But at the very beginning, it really wasn't playing. It was more of a struggle for survival. When you think of a wave that's like that, right? When you get hit like a wave, like you're just going whichever way the water's going. You have no control. You don't know how to, to, to move your body. You just get, I remember being crushed. And I remember being held under. And I remember going in the somersault. And I didn't know which way was up. And I was holding my breath. And I was thinking, this is not what I expected for today. Right? Being just thrown around by the water. And he says, that's what it's like. It can be what it's like when you're spiritually immature. Because when the trials come, when the difficulties come, even when people come with deceitful ideas and wrong theology, uh, you can just jump on that, um, jump on that bandwagon and just be, to be, t be tossed back and forth and not sure what you believe. But as you grow, as you become more mature spiritually, you also become more grounded so that when those waves come, you're not pushed around because you understand who God is a little more. You understand that your faith is strong. You understand that you can have fine encouragement from other believers. That's what it means to be growing in your faith, to be maturing. He says we won't be tossed back and forth. And I don't know if you know many believers who have gone through this. There are sadly many believers who believe in Jesus at some point in their life. And they love the fact that Jesus saved them but they don't grow and then something happens and someone comes to them and tells them this is what you need to believe and they haven't grown enough to realize that's not what God's Word says it's different from what we're supposed to be doing and they can get pulled away and it's sad to see and sometimes I feel like there's some personal responsibility but that the church has but I also understand that there's personal responsibility that each individual has to continue to grow right for me I need to learn the lessons just in regular maturing so no longer when I see a big bicycle do I want to run over a person <laughs> I just don't have that impulse anymore you know I've already learned that lesson so I've grown a little bit right how do you think I've grown a little right when I don't buy chocolate bars in bulk anymore it's not good for me right it might be cheaper but it's not good I've learned like we're growing we're maturing in that way well there should be those kinds of evidences in my in our spiritual life as well you know, I don't react in the same way, hopefully, to the same situation as I did 10 years ago. Maybe I'm closer to God. Maybe I, I'm closer to His people. Maybe, maybe I understand that my responsibility isn't um, my own personal comfort. It's more building up the body of Christ. If that's what I'm here to do, then I'm supposed to be doing that. It's not really, it can't be about me. It can't be about my preferences. It can't be, that's part of maturing, right? Even that's, that's an evidence of spiritual maturity, and he says here that we won't will no longer be children if we grow spiritually. And in verse 15, he says that we will grow. Um, I'm skipping a couple of phrases. It says instead, we will grow to 
become that mature body. But let's look at specifically how he says it in verse 15. Before he says, instead, we will grow, in the, between the instead and the we will grow, he says, speaking the truth in love. That's an odd place to put speaking the truth in love. It's a strange spot for that phrase because he's talking about growth. He's saying, if you do these things, you'll no longer be infants and you won't be thrown around. Instead, you're going to grow uh, to be that body of Christ that you should be. But he says, he puts right in the middle of instead and you will grow, speaking the truth in love. We can't skip over that. I think that's a sign of spiritual maturity. And I have to be honest, I believe it takes effort to get to the point where you can speak the truth in love. We're pretty good at knowing the truth and speaking the truth. And I think we learn that even as, as young, younger, as we're young even, because we get corrected all the time by our parents, right? We'll say something and they'll say, you shouldn't say that. And our response is, well, it's true, right? And you think as though just because it's true, it's okay to say. Um, we've been told as we mature in our lives that that's not the case just because it's okay. Just because it's true, it's okay to say. In our spiritual lives, it says that we have to be careful that we speak the truth. Always be committed to speaking the truth. But never forget that phrase that is right there. It says, in love. Be careful how you say things. I need to be careful how, I need to choose my words. And I get in trouble with, for that. I have my whole life. I would sometimes pick a fight with our neighbors and get my older brother to do the fighting part. <laughs> you know, my words would get, would get us in trouble. And then he would kind of take care of the, the menial task of the physical confrontation. <laughs> and I realize I need to, I mean, I, my tongue can get me in trouble. And so that's part of maturing. But as our spiritual, as we, as we mature spiritually, I need to be committed to speaking the truth, but I have to do it in love. And so it's okay to be careful to choose your words properly. It's okay to, I think we should consider other people before we say the truth. I'm not saying we avoid the truth, but he says that's a sign of maturity where we speak the truth in love. And there's ways to say things. And I still struggle with these things. But I think it's important that that's a sign of maturity that we are careful with our tongue. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We will become the mature body of Christ. And he says in every respect. That's why I don't like to look at Christian maturity, spiritual maturity as a destination. It's a process. We will grow and we will grow to be more and more like Christ. And we will be that mature body of Christ that he wants us to be. I see that God has a picture of what he wants us to be like. As a church, as uh, people who interact with each other, when we speak, he has this picture of what, we're, what he wants us to be like. And he's committed to our spiritual maturity. That first verse we looked at in Philippians 1, he says, God will be faithful to take us he started this good work in us and he's going to faith, be faithful to complete it. And sometimes you might feel like you're stuck. You know how you can know you're stuck? Is if God's still trying to teach you the same lesson over and over. He's not going to skip ahead. He doesn't, you know, I, hate, I don't, I shouldn't say, I don't want to say it that way. I'll, let me think. I'll be, I'll be careful with my words. 
I would like if we could skip a few lessons once in a while. I'm not good at that. Can we go on to something else I might be better at? And God says, no, I'm going to be faithful, he says. I'm going to take you to that spiritual maturity. And we might have to spend some time on this one thing. And if I feel stuck or if you feel stuck, maybe it's because I'm not or you're not learning this one spot. You're not learning this one thing. I'm not learning. I'm not, I haven't figured out what God wants me to do in these kinds of situations. And so we have to be careful, not just with how we speak, make sure we speak the truth in love, but we need to understand that God is going to be faithful to make us to that mature body of Christ in every respect. He says in verse 16, from him the whole body, joined, held together in every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Look at that. I lo this verse has so much in it. It says that from him the whole body grows and builds itself up in love. It's not happening passively. It says we grow. We build ourselves up in love. We have this responsibility. And it says as each part does its work. Remember verse 12? He started off with that. It says that Christ gave the church these things so that it can be equipped to perform those works of service. And then in verse 16, he says the same idea, that as each part does its work. It seems as though there's really less mystery to this. It's not as difficult or mystical. I think we have to understand that biblical spiritual maturity is a process. And some people say, well, after, I got, after I get saved, what do I have to do now? And the, and the typical response is, well, read your Bible and pray. Is that going to get it done? Well, those are good things, and those are things that God wants us to do. But spiritual maturity is a process, and God wants us to continue to grow. Is there someone that you know that you understand to be spiritually mature? Think of someone now. And, if you under, if, and as we understand spiritual maturity, is there someone that comes to mind? Then maybe your next step is just going and talking to them. I noticed this about you. How do you get to that stage? That's an okay question. It's not intimidating. It's not hard. I noticed this. I, you seem to know something about God in this situation. How do you get there? What did you do? And you'll find out they went along the process. But asking them, maturing in Christ means, and this is connected with uh, speaking the truth in love. I think there's times that we can measure. Uh, did I, am I more acting the way God wants me to in this situation than I would have a few years ago? Sometimes it's just a matter of giving someone in a situation a piece of your heart when you really would prefer to give them a piece of your mind. Maybe there's a little bit of spiritual maturity in that, understanding this transformation process. Erwin Lutzer wrote about spiritual maturity. There are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. It takes time to be holy. There's no pill. There's no magic formula where by the time you walk out these doors, you can all be spiritually mature. No, God says, I'm going to live with you through life and to grow you to be the person he's created us to be. That's incredible that he will not 
leave us. He won't forsake us. He says, I've started this work in you. I'm going to be faithful to complete it. Carry it all the way to the end. Spiritual maturity is not measured by how high you jump in praise, but by how straight you walk in obedience. Spiritual maturity is not just what you believe. Spiritual maturity is evident by how you behave. There's evidence for that. And sometimes this is difficult to look at our lives and say, here's where I'm failing or here's where I need to grow. But maybe that's what God is saying to each one of us. You know, I want you to grow. I expect you to grow. We have these expectations even when we were kids. Um, when someone was acting, we felt, felt like really immature. We would even say, you can fill, a, fill in the blank for me. Act your age, not your shoe size. That's a weird expression, right? But if you think about it, it makes sense, right? As, you know, I might be... I might have a shoe size, I have a shoe size uh, 10, and no one expects me to act 10 years old. Right? We have this expectation. That's the same kind of expectation that it, it, we can have with our own spiritual maturity. And this is not for us to say to someone else, you're not spiritually mature. Right? Even if it's true, it's not a loving thing to say. Right? It's not, this whole idea, this whole concept is so that we can see ourselves. God wants us to grow in our spiritual maturity. And he wants to have his time with everybody else. But it's not up to me to say, you're not spiritually mature. Can you imagine if we all went around like that? How would that be building up the body of Christ? If we went to everybody, look around at somebody, pick somebody out and go tell them they're not spiritually mature. Right? That's not what God wants for us or from us. But God wants us to look, he wants us to, sh to see the mirror that he has before us and see ourselves so that we can grow. Oswald Chambers said, spiritual maturity is not reached by the passing of years, but by obedience to the will of God. Let's pray.